Pag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo Baka tuluyan na kayong di matunton Hey there, my name is Mark Zavalia and welcome to the Sagittarian Project, an independent history podcast featuring readings of literature or published works, digital or in print, about the dark years of martial law in the Philippines. For today's readings, we will turn our attention to the diary entries of Ferdinand Marcos around the time he imposed martial law. What might be in the mind of Mr. Marcos as he finally unleashed his first orders, his plans as dictator of the Philippines. But as usual, before we begin a reading, just some quick notes. You may follow Sagittarian Project on social media. We are on Facebook. Just search for Sagittarian Project and on Instagram at Sagittarian Project. New episodes are published twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And finally, The Sagittarian Project is now available on all major podcast platforms, namely Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Now to our readings for today. We are reading from the Philippine Diary Project, a digital vault of diary entries of prominent Filipinos in history. Before we proceed with the journal entries, you might be wondering, as I did, how his diary came into the hands of Philippine authorities. William C. Rempel, author of Diary of a Dictator Ferdinand and Imelda, The Last Days of Camelot, originally published in 1993 as Delusions of a Dictator, wrote, The diary was discovered almost by chance about a year after Marcos and his family fled the Philippines in 1986 for exile in the United States. Investigators for the new government of President Corazon Aquino, seeking to trace some of the purported billions of dollars looted from the Philippine National Treasury by Ferdinand and Imelda and their cronies, came upon a collection of cardboard boxes set aside in a neglected corner of the Malacanang compound. Inside was the diary, along with other sensitive presidential documents apparently abandoned in the mad scramble to load other valuables, gems, jewelry, cash and gold into the bellies of two jumbo jetliners. We are reading four journal entries from September 22 to 25, 1972. Let's start with the September 22 entry. September 22, 1972, Friday, 9.50 p.m., Malacanang Palace, Manila. Secretary Juan Ponce Enrile was ambushed near Wakwak at about 8 p.m. tonight. It was a good thing he was riding in his security car as a protective measure. His first car, which he usually uses, was the one riddled by bullets from a car parked in ambush. He is now at his D&D office. I have advised him to stay there. And I have doubled the security of Imelda in the Nayon Pilipino where she is giving dinner to the UPI and AP as well as other wire services. This makes the martial law proclamation a necessity. Imelda arrived at 11.35 p.m. in my Electra bulletproof car to be told that Johnny had been ambushed. 
this all over the radio. And now we will read Ferdinand Marcos's entry on September 23, 1972. September 23, 1972, Saturday, 12.20 p.m. Malacanang Palace, Manila. Things have moved according to plan, although out of the total 200 target personalities in the plan, only 52 have been arrested, including the three senators, Aquino, Jocno, and Mitra, and Chino Rosas and Teddy Loxin. At 7.15 p.m., I finally appeared on a nationwide TV and radio broadcast to announce the proclamation of martial law, the general orders, and instructions. I was supposed to broadcast at 12 a.m., but technical difficulties prevented it. We had closed all TV stations. We had to clear KBS, which broadcast it live. VOP and PBS broadcast it by radio nationwide. The broadcast turned out rather well, and Mons Gaviola, as well as the usual friends, liked it. But my most exacting critic, Imelda, found it impressing. I watched the replay at 9 p.m. I have amended curfew from 8 to 6 to 12 to 4. Arms bearing outside residence without permit, punishable by death. Kitstat had read the proclamation, the orders and the instructions after my talk. Have started checking on zone commanders. General Encarnacion of the Four does not seem to have been systematic. He still talks of some people, like Mayor Kabili, criticizing the proclamation of martial law as premature, although grudgingly extending cooperation under General Order Number 3 for all offices to continue functioning. Talk to Aimi and Bong Bong. London newspaper had it I arrested the opposition. No mention of communists. And called up Secretary Romulo and Ambassador Romualdez before them. New York Times at least was sure-handed and spoke of martial law after the attempt of assassination of my Secretary of National Defense. Ordered all wire services and embassies to be furnished the speech, proclamation, orders, and instructions. We're reading... His entry on September 24, 1972, which he wrote at 1.25 a.m. September 25th. Malacanang Palace, Manila. Jocno, Chino Rosas, Max Oliven, etc. have filed a petition for a writ of habeas corpus before the Supreme Court. I asked Justices Claudio T. Hanke, Antonio Barredo, Felix Macasiar, and Felix Antonio to see us. They insisted that the government should submit to the Supreme Court for the court to review the constitutionality of the Proclamation of Martial Law, Proclamation Number 1081. So I told them in the presence of Secretaries Ponce Enrile and Vicente Abad Santos, as well as Solicitor General Estelito Mendoza, that if necessary, I would formally declare the establishment of a revolutionary government so that I can formally disregard the actions of the Supreme Court. They insisted that we retain a color of constitutionality for everything that we do. But I feel that they are still image-building and do not understand that a new day has dawned. While they claim to be for a reformed society, they are not too motivated but are too bound by technical legalism. I have amended both General Orders Numbers 1 and 3 to assume all powers of government including legislative and judicial 
and clearly excluded cases involving the constitutionality of my acts from the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. I met the cabinet to emphasize the program to reform our society. And I signed the decree number one to promulgate the law on the reorganization of the government. We have impressed everybody with our fairness by the arrest of Congressman Roque Ablan, Rafael Aquino, and Governor Luis Bocalan. I have ordered profiteers to be arrested, and the ROTC boys have cleaned up the streets of graffiti. Only KBS and the Daily Express are operational. I just talked to Earl Mayo, the biographer and advisor of Nixon, and his first advice is to immediately meet the press as soon as possible and explain that this is not a dictatorship. Now we are reading an excerpt from Ferdinand Marcos's diary entry on September 25, 1972. Met Justices Fred Ruiz Castro and Salvador Esguera on a consulta. I told them frankly that I needed their help and counsel because we must keep all actuations within constitutional limits. Justice Castro asked permission to ask a blunt question. Is this a coup d'etat? And I told him that it is not, but it is the exercise of an extraordinary power by the president for a situation anticipated by the Constitution. Justice Esguera said immediately that he feels that it is a legitimate exercise of martial law. And apparently, reading my mind, he said, In the Merriman case, Justice Taney had issued a writ of habeas corpus for a man who was detained on orders of President Lincoln. President Lincoln just disregarded the judicial order, and Justice Taney said, What can we do? We are confronted by a superior authority. I then concluded that there must be no conflict between the two separate departments of justice and executive, for it would be embarrassing to both. The public reaction throughout the Philippines is a welcome to martial law because of the smooth, peaceful re-establishment of peace and order and the hope of a reformed society. In fact, most everyone now says this should have been done earlier. It is indeed gratifying that everyone now finds or discovers I am some kind of a hero. There is nothing as successful as success. That concludes our reading for today. I would like to thank the Philippine Diary Project for allowing us to use the journal entries of prominent Filipinos in history that is available at philippinediaryproject.com. Thanks also to Gary Granada for the music on the show. Thank you for listening to the Sagittarian Project. If you enjoy our episodes, please consider subscribing to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. If you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please let us know by sending us a message on our social media accounts, Sagittarian Project on both Facebook and Instagram, or email us at sagittarianproject at gmail.com. That's it for now, and see you in the next episode. Kapag hindi kayo sumuko, lalo kayong mapapasubo, makatuluyan na kayong di matunton. Kahit saan kayo magtago, kung may ulo ay may pako, makatuluyan na kayong maibaon.